All right. Well, welcome, everybody. Good to see you. Um, my name is Joe Rhodes. If I haven't met you, my wife is Tricia. She was here in the first service, and uh, we uh, oversee the schools and teach the leadership school coming up in August. We'd love to have you join us with that if you've gone through SOT. Um, I always like to get a little acclimated a bit. So, uh, how you guys doing? Good. <laughs> All right, let's go. I've got a lot to cover. We're out of time in the first service, but we've been on a series of messages on uh, the supernatural and uh, focusing on the spiritual gifts. And uh, let me just say, I have, I'm, I've always loved the preaching here, but I have loved, I mean, I've learned so much in this series, just really have, have just, I mean, it's maybe as much more than any others. And we've been on, we're talking about the supernatural with a focus on the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And Robert has shared that we break the, the gifts down into three categories, motivational, manifestation, and ministry gifts. And part of the challenge of spiritual gifts that Paul doesn't, he just lays them out there, doesn't explain anything, doesn't give, doesn't give definitions, just kind of here or there, he just kind of dumps them on us. And so this whole breakdown of motivational manifestation uh, ministry is just something that people, pastors and leaders and scholars have come up with. They kind of, they, they break it down. They go, seem, they seem to break down into three categories. And it really does make sense. So I'm going to be in Romans chapter 12, verses 3 through 8. So if you've got your Bibles or your digitals, devices, whatever you have, turn with me there. Romans chapter 12, verses 3 through 8, where we find what are, we call the motivational gifts. And let's pray as we get started this morning. Father, we just love you and we we bless you. Thank you for your presence that is here. And Lord, I'm just always mindful that there are people who are here who, who need something maybe very different than the topic of the morning message. And so, Lord, we... Holy Spirit, would you just come and touch every heart. Lord, you know every need. You know every hurt. Lord, just manifest yourself in real experiential ways. Lord, not just in theoretical ways, but in ways that are real and meaningful that really touch hearts. So we invite you to come. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So Romans chapter 12, verses 3 through 8. Romans 12, 3 through 8. Verse 3, for by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. Verse 4, for as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Let us use them. And now he's going to begin to list these gifts, so you'll see them kind of underlined as I read this passage. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes or gives, I'm using the ES, English Standard Version, the one who contributes or gives in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Now, 
What I'm going to do is answer three questions. What is a motivational gift? Why discover your gift? And how can you discover and walk in your gift? So we'll start with that first question. What is a motivational gift? Now, I'm, I'm going to give a little definition of each one. That's about all I'm going to do with each of these. What I'm mainly going to talk about are the motivational gifts kind of in general to, get you, to give you a sense of how they operate. And so what do I mean by a motivational gift? I'm going to give you three words, three components. The first one, you can probably guess, what's the first word? Motivational gift, boom, motivation, there you go. It's, it's, you, there's a motivation that naturally, when a need arises, there will be this natural motivation rising up within you to meet the You don't even know it's, you just do it. Not even, it isn't even necessarily conscious that flowing from inside of you and out from you, there will be a natural leaning, a natural inclination, an impulse that will determine how you respond to the need. So that's the first word, motivation. Second word is effectiveness. Simply put, you're good at it. I mean, it works. You do this, and hey, it kind of works. You're, you're effective at it. And then third would be joy. And here I'm kind of bringing in my bias because I believe that joy in the Christian life isn't just like some icing on the cake, but it is an integral, significant, important ingredient in the Christian life. And, and the point is, and, and the thing is, our desire here, what we hope comes out of this spiritual gift series is, yes, you begin to operate in your gift, but not, not just so you can meet a need or fill some hole or find your niche. That's, that's okay. What we want to see is your gift released in you. And so it's motivation, effectiveness, and joy. Now, I'm going to give you a definition of each. And again, these, this isn't precise. You can't be dogmatic with these. So this is my best understanding, my best attempt at giving you a simple definition of each. I'm not going to go into detail. At New Hope, the church I pastored, I actually did a whole sermon on all of these, all seven of them. Now, and obviously the, the, the question that is raised, is this a comprehensive list? We don't really know. There are seven listed here. But this is what we have to work with, so we're going to work with those. Prophecy, the capacity to call people to conform to God's heart and biblical standards. It's this inclination to call people to God's standard, to, 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 to what's right, what God says. Now, we all need to do that to some extent, but the person with the gift of prophecy really lean into that. Service, the ability to recognize and readily address practical needs. Teaching, the aptitude to study and present biblical truth in a systematic, thorough, and persuasive manner. Exhortation or encouragement, the capacity to know what people need to grow, as well as the compulsion to encourage and challenge them into it. Giving, generosity, that not only sees material needs, but provides resources to meet them and advance God's kingdom. Leadership, it's an understanding of how to advance a plan or ministry, as well as cast vision that draws others into it. And then finally, mercy and adeptness at sensing the needs of hurting people and ministering to them with empathy. Now, again, the question raises is comprehensive, and we don't really know for sure, but here's what, here's what we would say, what teachers would say, what I would say is that every one of you have at least one of these. So, so look at that. What we're saying here is that God has deposited in, this is what we, we don't, you know, we don't really know what all is a part of this or why there's just seven listed, but we're going to go with, what I'm going to encourage you to consider is that God has placed at least one of these in 
Every one of you, at least one. At least one. And it's, 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 it's just... It's, it's so beautiful to see how God works. Now, what I want to do then is give you seven statements to kind of explain how these all work together, how these all gifts work together. First statement is this. I've already said this, but I'm going to say it again. I'm going to talk about it for a minute. The Holy Spirit has put this gift within you. So it's, it's actually in you. So much so that it's, it's a part of who you are as a person. It, it, even, it even blends into your personality to the point that people even begin to describe you that way. They'll say, oh, so-and-so is just, she's just so caring. Or, man, John's really a leader. Or this man, he, they're always teaching. Or they're just, they're just so caring. Whatever it may be is people describe you that way because it's a part of who you are as a person. It just begins to, and it plays out, by the way, it plays out wherever you are at. Not just here at church, but at home, at work, in virtually every relationship. So it's, it's in you. It's who you are. It's part of your personality. It just plays out everywhere. Did that the first service, too. At the same time. Now, it's, it's different. This is where it's different than the manifestation gifts. And I want to show, show the distinction. This really helps to see this. The manifestation gifts are the kind of healing, miracles, word of knowledge, word of wisdom, prophecy, word of faith. God can drop those in through anyone at any time. Uh, it's kind of like a Amazon, I kept saying UPS package, an Amazon package. God just wants to drop this in. So a person can be out using their gift of service out in the parking lot, and somebody walks by, and God just gives them a prophetic word for that person who's walking by. They're operating out of their motivational gift of service, and God gives them a prophetic word or, or faith to heal or faith to do a miraculous. So the manifestation gifts are for all of us at any, now, some operate it more highly in the manifestation than others, but they're for all of us, and he can drop those in any time. Your motivational gift, you just carry with you all the time, and it works itself out in every single relationship. And this is, to me, I just so love this. It's so beautiful. It's so amazing of God, because God's, what it means is, is that God so wanted these gifts, prophecy and service and teaching, exhortation and giving and leadership, mercy. He so wanted those gifts to take place in the body that he spreads those out among people so that they will naturally be motivated in, to do, express themselves in that way and effective at it. I mean, it's just so brilliant. And so here's, here's what I would say. My humble but accurate opinion would be <laughs> that that always works, by the way. Just, you can throw that out any time. It always gets. I would say, actually, I do mean this, that um, I would say that Kendall has the motivational gift of prophecy. Now, he also operates highly in the manifestation gift of the prophetic and it dovetails together but but he clearly to me just as i work with him i see that's what i say that'd be my opinion whether it's it or not i would say that mike i've worked with mike now closely for the last two years that i've said about mike if you look up the word service in the dictionary you're going to see his picture but actually you would see his wife's picture flavia you'd see might see mike's even together but flavia best i could tell has the gift of service and she just naturally moves into it with joy. A bunch of folks having dinner at her house, and she's over there clean washing dishes because she loves to do that. She loves to, she loves to serve. Who do you think on our staff has the gift of exhortation? Who would you say? 
There you go, Jeff. I mean, Jeff, there you go. Jeff is a walking, exhorting, encouraging machine. I mean, he's, I want to change his name to Barnabas, son of encouragement. He is so much that just operates in that. Now, again, it doesn't mean you don't, by the way, it doesn't mean you don't have some of the other gift, but you'll have one at least as a dominant gift is what we would say. Okay, that's one point. The second point is that each of these gifts operate differently to the same need. Again, this is an oversimplification, but it helps you to see how these, how these play out. I'm going to give you kind of a silly illustration. Let's say somebody, you're at some gathering, and somebody walks in, a server walks in with this big tray of dishes and, and, and food, and they trip, and everything spills on the floor. So now there's a need. The person with the gift of service, what will they do? They're going to get down and just start cleaning things up. person with the gift of mercy We'll, go, we'll do what? They'll go to the person and say, man, are you okay? The person with the gift of teaching will write a lesson plan later on how to make sure that doesn't happen again. <laughs> I'm overstating this, of course. The person with the gift of exhortation would go and say, man, are you okay? Or, you know what, I did the same thing yesterday. They didn't, but they would say it anyway just to <laughs> encourage the person. The person with the gift of giving, saying, I'll just cover the bill, we'll cover it, I'll pay for, I'll pay for whatever was, was broken. The person with the leadership will kind of guide the whole thing, you know, why don't you go here, you do this, and put it all together. And of course, mercy, well, as I said, will go and say, hey, are you okay? So it just, it, it just, and what that, but here's what this does. Oh, prophecy, oh, the prophecy, they'll say, I knew that was going to happen. No. <laughs> no, just kidding. <laughs> yeah, thanks, thanks, Robert. Uh, Again, oversimplification, but you get what I mean? We operate differently. And what this does, the result is remarkable. It is this, it is this healthy, well-rounded, ministering body. I just, it's just so, so beautiful. The health of any church is directly proportionate to the degree to which all of its members are effectively using their gift. Okay, third statement. Because, because you are supernaturally motivated, little or no external motivation is needed. So often, and, and we don't like this as staff, as, as leaders, so often at all, it's because it, it's kind of a root of legalism, but so often people are ministering, they're doing something out of duty rather than desire. And this kind of solves that issue. Uh, when I was growing up, there, we, there were these shows called, I'll give you another little simple, overly simple illustration, but they had these variety shows back in the day. They don't have them anymore, apparently. I mean, maybe America's Got Talent, which I never watched, but similar, I guess. I've seen snippets here and there. But they had variety shows, and I still remember one act where this guy would come up, and he had these, if you've seen this, there's a pole, just in the middle, last you've seen this once I've described it, there's a, maybe he has seven poles, like, like cue sticks, like billiard sticks. And they have a table with seven plates. Have you seen this, Jeff? You remember this? You can come out and admit to it, Jeff. You're old enough. You've seen it. I'm a lot older than you, but um, turn, turned 70 a couple weeks ago, so that's how old I am. So, and... Had a 49th anniversary wedding, wedding anniversary last Thursday. Okay. 
So anyway, back to the story. So here's the table with these sticks. He grabs the um, one plate and he spins it, gets it going, goes and grabs another plate and he spins this plate. It's just like a, not really a plate, it's a sauce or some kind. Goes over here and gets another plate and he spins. So now three plates are going, goes over. Anybody seen this before besides me? Okay, a handful. Then you get, you get over here, another spate plate and he's spinning it. And about the time he spins the fourth, he looks over and the first plate's going womp, womp. So he has to give that a spin, goes, gets another plate, and he spins over here. About that time, the second one's going womp, womp, womp. Third one's going womp. So he's got a spin. He's going back and forth, running back and forth until he has all seven plates spinning. That's not too far of, of how you feel as a leader sometime in a church, who you oversee ministries. It's not how we want it to be, but just for example, a Sunday school pastor, a children's pastor, has a class of fifth grade boys who really needs a teacher, can't find anybody, so he goes to some man and says, man, we got these fifth grade boys, they're a little bit unruly, but God loves them, and we really need somebody to come and teach, and man, you never know, there may be a Billy Graham in there. And so the, te- so the guy says, I'll do it, he signs up. Has a third grade class of girls and can't find by, goes to some lady and says, man, we got these third grade girls, they're so sweet, they're so kind, they're so lovely, they're so cute. Man, why don't you just give it a try? And so she says, I'll do it. Then over here, there's the nursery. We're running out of, we don't have enough nursery workers, so we grab some people and say, man, we just, we just need some bodies in there. Would you do it? And besides, they're really cute, and you're really going to serve them and their family. So he gets them going. About that time, she looks over, and the fifth grade boys' teacher's going, womp, 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 starting to falter. So he has to go back. She has to go back and get him spinning again. Looks over here, and the third grade girls' teacher's going, womp, womp, womp. It's not quite working out. Has to get her spinning again. And bottom line, you just feel like you're always having to run back and forth to motivate people to keep doing their ministry, largely because they're not operating now that internal motivation that God has placed in their heart. I found, and I mean this with all my heart, I love this, that in the 38 years of pastoring at the church that before we came here, that the people who were operating and ministering out of their gifting required little or no outward motivation from me. They just, off they went. In fact, they're coming to me already spinning to say, where can I, you know, where can I fit in here to serve? Because this is what I'm called and motivated to do. Okay, number four is your gift will not necessarily dictate what, what you do, but how you do it. It's coming. There we go. What, well, not necessarily dictate what you do, but how you do it. Just, just a simple point to say, does, you have the gift of teaching doesn't necessarily mean you teach. Or you have the gift of service, you may teach, but you do it in a very need-meeting way. Or you have the gift of mercy as a teacher, and you just have this caring, empathetic style. You can be a leader and have the gifting of service, but you've learned how to, how to lead, and you somehow feel called to lead. I have been in leadership my whole life. I do not believe I have naturally gifted with the gift of leadership. But I've always, God has always put me in positions of leadership. I've been kind of a reluctant leader even over the years. But but that's not my gifting. My gifting would be mainly exhortation with the service right underneath there. So what your gift is doesn't determine necessarily how it's going to manifest itself. All right, number five Motivational gifts are used in all spheres. And what I want to, I just wanted to give a quick statement on this. 
In other words, not just inside the body, but even outside the body. So I just want to pay homage to people like Patrick Sicaria, who has the ministry, A Thousand Rainbows. I saw you, Patrick. Wave it. You in this service? I saw him somewhere. There he is, back there. A wonderful ministry to the LGBTQ community outside the body. I don't know, if, I don't know Patrick, you do anything when you come here. I don't care. You, you've got a ministry that's amazing. Or I think of Brew and Sherry Bridge, uh, Briggs, who have the Bridges of Hope ministry. Probably serves some here. To some, I don't know what they do, but the ministry to people, who, to, to the refugees and immigrants out from, out from the body. Okay, done with you. Okay, number six. Those who have a motivational gift serve as a model for the rest of us. The interesting thing is that in Scripture, every one of these characteristics are held up that which all of us are to exhibit. And so, um, if you have the gift of teaching, it doesn't mean that you aren't ever to serve. So, for example, and I mean, I, I mean, I mean practical need meeting stuff. You have the gift of prophecy. So, so for example, if we're setting up chairs, and Kendall would never do this because he serves, but if we're putting up chairs, Kendall can't sit back and say, I don't have that gift, I have the gift of prophecy, you guys do that. Or, or, or Jeff, his job isn't just, to say, oh, you're doing a good job, keep doing it, great job, I love the way you set up those chairs, but my gift of service, I'm going to encourage you while you set those chairs up. No, God, so I look at, at a Jeff who, who is just such a teaching or, or encouraging machine, and I, he doesn't know this. That first time I ever said this. I, I observe how he encourages people, trying to grow in that way. And so we learn how to grow, how to, how to expand our own capacity in each of these because God has placed people in the body who already do it naturally with a natural motivation and an effectiveness at it. Okay. Why discover your gift? Second, second question answered. What time, what time am I supposed to be done? I don't even really know. Oh, here we go, right there. 2.30, it says. <laughs> Fantastic. No, no, actually, seriously, seriously, what time? 11.05. Okay, here we go. Why discover your gift? Number one, so you will lean into it. So, so that you will lean into it. Some people say, do I really need to? Not necessarily, but it's better if you will. Discover what is your gifting so you'll lean into it. 2 Timothy 4, 6 says, stir up or fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of hands. I know I may not present myself up here now, but I am by nature shy. I really am by nature shy. And I've had to, I, to this day, I still have to consciously, deliberately seek to lean into my gift here because encouraging things, and I'm, I'm a people person, so they come to mind, but, but my, my still, my tendency is to, is to hold back, and I just got to make myself lean into it. And so you stir it up. So you stir it up. One of the most instructive, and, and it, it needs to grow and develop, and it grows and develop as you practice it, as you lean into it. It's like a little bud. It needs to grow into a full-blown flower. One of the most instructive verses in all the Bible for me for growing is Philippians 2, 12, and 13. I'm going to put it up here. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only is in my presence, but much more in my absence... And he says this, work out your own salvation with fear 
and trembling. The word salvation there, he's not referring to get saved. He's talking about the sanctification process. We have been saved. We are being saved. Sanctification, we will be saved. So he says, you work out your sanctification. Why? Look what he says next. For it is God who works in you. God is working in you both to will or the desire and to work the capacity for his good pleasure. So God has worked this in you, and you have, we now have to work out what God has worked in. So you lean into it. Um, one more statement that I like to use. We do things intuitively. If you are around me much, you've heard me say this. We do things, in, we do things intuitively. Remember, we will do those, those different gifts intuitively. We do things intuitively, but when we identify what we do intuitively... We start doing them intentionally. And as we do them intentionally, we are more effective and consistent in the doing of them. Okay, number reason why, another reason why you need to learn your gift is so you can identify your weaknesses. Every gift has a shadow side. People with the gift of prophecy can be a little bit too harsh at times. People with the gift of mercy can be a little too soft sometimes. People with the gift of, of encouragement can be a little too positive at times, if, if that's possible. Uh, you know, where, where we can jump too quickly, and I, that's, I'm not as strong as you don't think, but that's my gift. We can jump too quickly to encourage somebody, and sometimes they don't want any, they just want you to be quiet. They just want you to give them a hug. They just need that mercy expressed to them. Okay, number three of reason why, so you can have a healthy self-acceptance and affirmation of others. The problem with the dispersing of differing gifts is that there are differences among us. We're different anyway, but this adds to that. And what do we, what do we naturally do with differences? We make, yeah, we make comparisons. And what we then tend to do, we compare our strengths with others' weaknesses, and so we get kind of, you know, what's wrong with them? A little judgmental, maybe pride, prideful. Or we compare our weaknesses with their strengths and we get insecure, and we get self-conscious, or maybe jealous. But when we recognize we have differing gifts, we can appreciate, I can accept your uniqueness and affirm my uniqueness. It's okay. And so by discovering your gift and that other people have their differing gifts, we can affirm and accept ourselves and accept others more readily. Okay, finally then, how, do we, how can I discover and walk in your gift. Number one is pursue intimacy with Jesus. It starts here. This passage in Romans 12, chapter 1, says, King James Version, um, how does it begin? Um, I beseech you therefore, brethren, King James, by the mercies of God, that you present your whole self as a living sacrifice, which is your reasonable service of worship. It starts right here. You've got to settle this issue. Are you really seeking to walk in intimacy with, with Jesus? Number two is walk in the power and the guidance of the Holy Spirit. It's the gift of the Holy Spirit. In John chapter 5, verse 19, Jesus said something that I still, to this day, I see. Every time I read it, I, have, it's, I almost have to take a second look. He said, the Son of Man can do nothing of himself. He's talking about himself. Jesus saying, I can't do anything of myself. 
We're talking about the Son of God, the God-man. And he said, I can't do anything. And he could, but he chose as a human, as a man on earth, to do everything in the power of the Holy Spirit by the presence of the Father working in and through him. He, just, he, it, he worked through him. He let, he let God and the Holy Spirit work through him, everything. If that's true of Jesus, that he would not do anything of himself, how much more with us? And I'll just say this. I had my experience of being baptized in the Holy Spirit when I was 19. Um, and as a pastor, I, I, I preached on the ministry of the Holy Spirit, how to be filled with the Spirit countless times. We wrote a whole discipleship material called How to Be Filled with the Holy Spirit. But I can tell you this, and I'm not exaggerating here, no hyperbole here. Every day, every day, I have to stop and make sure that I'm walking in the Spirit every day because I so tend to still go off into the day relying upon myself. And so it starts with that also. Number three, take personal inventory. This is practical. How do I discover my spiritual gift? Take, take an inventory. Those three words, motivation, what, what drives you? Just start to do a little self-inventory. You know, what am I driven to do? Second question is on effectiveness. Well, what am I good at? What do I seem to be pretty good at? And then joy, what brings me satisfaction? What do I just want to do? There's, I could give a whole lot more on each of these. But what, what, what drives you? What are you good at? And what brings you joy? What brings you satisfaction? Number four is ask friends. Talk to people. We had a whole spiritual gift inventory process we took people through. And one of those things, after you took the inventory, other things, is hey, talk to people around you. Say, you know, which gift do you think best fits me? So see what people around you say. And then number five, something you've never heard of. You ready? Fanafi. That's good, isn't it? You have no idea what I'm saying, though, is it? Fanafi. It's, it's actually a word, I don't know where I came up with it, but years ago I used this word when I was mo- trying to teach on, on ministry. And it's an acrostic, which stands for find a need and fill it. I mean, this was 35 years ago I started throwing this out. Even to this day, I still will run into people from New Hope, the church I pastored, and they'll say, oh, Fanafi, they'll throw it out there. And here's the point. You may be a person that says, man, I just still have no idea. I've talked to friends, and they don't, they don't think I have a gift. They just, they're just, they're, uh, nothing comes there. They won't, that won't happen. I don't, I don't know what I want to do. I don't know where I'd be satisfied. Because that, that can happen, and that's okay. So here's what I would say if that's where you're at. Just do something. Just give some things a try. Just step out. Look where there's a need. Get that um, the QR code thing, and just I'm, and you may only do it. For, you may say to the person overseas, you know, I, I may not do this after this week. Just let, let me do it. Let me be a ride along for a couple of weeks. But just begin to to step out and seek to do seek to do something. I I grew up. I'm old enough to have uh, driven a car that did not have power steering. Anybody else out there brave enough to, okay, there we go, John, there we go, well, you know, remember how hard it was to turn those things, even when it's moving, and when it's, when it's standing, when it's sitting still, you can, you just got to really muscle it, but if it's just moving a little bit, you can guide it. I think similarly, as an illustration, 
If we're just sitting in our chair and waiting, God, show me, God, show me, God, show me, and I'm waiting, and I'm waiting. You may be there a long time. So just begin to move, even, even if you move slowly, and, and, and it'll give God a chance. You begin to discover what it is. You may not know till then. You don't know. But you'll find, you know what? Actually, you go, I kind of enjoyed that. And you know what? I think I did a pretty good job at it. And you were affirmed in it. So finding, all right, closing. I want to end with this. What time are we done? Five after. Okay. Um, th- this, this stirs my heart. God, Robert told me five, six weeks I was going to preach this message, and, and I wrote this thing out way early. And every day I've been going on my, I call it my old man's exercise. It's a two-mile brisk walk. And every day God would just put a little nugget in. And early on, he put a burden on my heart for, I don't know, I don't know if it's five or one or 50 of people who call all people's church, you call this is your home, and you come week after week, but mainly what you do is come and sit and listen, and then you go home. And I want to say this. The leadership of all peoples are going to love you if that's all you ever do. We're going to pastor you. We're going to shepherd you. We're going to care for you. We're going to honor you. But our concern for you isn't then that you get active so you'll fill a hole. We want to see you walk in your joy. And the verse that God placed on my heart, 2 Corinthians 1.24, is not that we lord it over your faith, but we work with you for your joy. And when you're not operating your gift and serving, you're missing out. You're robbing yourself of joy. Well, the other verse, I said there were two, 2 Corinthians 5.20, which actually is about us as believers bringing the gospel to unbelievers. 2 Corinthians 5.20, therefore we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were making an appeal through us. Then he says this, we beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. That word beg is the word that was used of the leper who came and begged Jesus to heal him. And I just want to appeal to you. I'm going to use that in this context. My appeal to you, I don't beg maybe too strong, is that if you just come, again, week after week, and you're just not finding where to go, begin to step out and lean into it. Get in motion. That's my appeal to you. So we're going to Closing a prayer time. Worship team, why don't you guys come on up? Why don't you stand with me?